Hello, my name is Patricia Rozvora and you're listening to Kitchen Conversations. This podcast aims to open up the mysterious and vague Eastern Bloc to a broader audience. For each episode, I'm inviting one artist or researcher and together we explore their relation, interest and urgency to create within the framework of the post-Soviet sphere. Here I also wanted to thank everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. It's very rewarding to see that with every episode the community is growing, which was of course the whole point of this platform. If you are a regular listener, you might want to check out my Patreon page, where you can support my work and help me develop this amazing but time-consuming project. You can do that on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations. This episode of Kitchen Conversations will be slightly different to the other ones. And that is mainly because I'm speaking with a person very close to my heart, my grandmother Marianna. Recently, she celebrated her 100th birthday and we both decided that that is maybe a nice moment to sit down and speak about her life and all the memories she gathered through quite a long period of time. I decided to divide our conversation into three shorter episodes. Uh, so in the background, you will hear her speak in Polish and I'm going to narrate the story in English. So we also won't speak about art in this mini-series, but you will hear fascinating histories, uh, mainly covering the period of the Second World War and also at the few first years of state socialism in Poland. Before we start, I also wanted to give a little trigger warning, since considering uh, the nature of our conversation, there will be uh, quite some graphical images shared. Hope uh, you enjoy this new format and please welcome my grandmother, Marianna. Czy pamiętasz pierwszy dzień wojny drugiej światowej? Pamiętam. Wszystko pamiętam. Do you remember the very first day of the Second World War? I remember. I remember everything. Well, the small village where I lived back then wasn't bombed yet, but there was panic. We hoped it would last a few weeks, maybe a few months, and after that, the German would go away. That's what everyone said. People had no idea about it. We were young and haven't lived through a war before. We never knew what it was like until later. On the 1st of September, the Germans attacked Westerplatte on the sea, entering from the west. Two weeks after, Poland was attacked by the Soviets from the east. The Soviets had the Ribbentrop-Molotov Pact. Molotov was Soviet and Ribbentrop was German. They had this pact and kept it secret until the attack. One took us from the east and the other from the west. They occupied our territories and didn't let them go since. Till this day, the eastern territories are part of their land. Prezydentem Warszawy był e, prezydent Perzyński. 
I on, pamiętam jego słowa, ja pamiętam jak on Back then, Warsaw was led by President Starzyński, and I remember his words so clearly. People of Warsaw, he called, we have been attacked by our enemy, and I ask everyone who is healthy and alive to take up arms. Well, you know, we had an organized army, but yeah, I don't know why. Perhaps we didn't have such a good military intelligence. They probably didn't believe that the Germans would attack. There were rumors about war. People said there will be war, there will be this, there will be that. But nobody realized that the war would look like this. They immediately bombed the cities, the civilians. Everything was hiding in basements. Air raids, people fleeing, fake news given to confuse people from east to west, from west to east. People were dying on the way, with small children, with all the bundles. Anyway, how much could you take? A suitcase, a cart of some type? There was no cars at that time. Who had a car back then? Yeah, maybe some very wealthy person. But not the average one. There was not even a proper way to carry your possessions. You took as much as you could carry on your back. People fled to their relatives. Yeah, I don't know, often to the countryside, where it appeared to be more safe. It was a kind of wandering, you know. And people died on the way. Because there was bombings all the time. All the migrations of people. Bombs were falling on their heads. Children died. Babies. So many pregnant women. So many infants. And that's how it was. War is terrible. And I wouldn't wish it to anyone. If I had one wish, it was for the word peace. I would really wish for no more wars, but it's still a long way to go for people to understand. So much money spent on reinforcements, and on the other hand, there's so much hunger in the world. From the money we spend on armaments, we could feed the starving world in Africa, in Asia. War is terrible. God forbid you should ever experience it. On the 1st of August, they took us to the trenches. No, sorry, the uprising broke out on the 1st, and on the 2nd they took us in. They knew that in Łódź, well, Łódź was the closest city to Warsaw, and there were active organizations running there. I also belonged to a secret organization. I was the so-called runner. I carried letters, messages, and so on. It happened more than once that in order to confuse them, in case they inspected me, I had a letter in my pocket and a live hen in my bag. You know, because they also punished people for carrying meat or bread, because everything was for ration cards during the war. So they could attack me if the hen makes noise or something. And I was hoping for that, actually. Because if they take care of the hen, the letter would stay safely in my pocket. 
because the letter contained secret information. The task was to hand it over without asking anything, call the address, give the letter and come back. And to who did you carry such letters? Where did you meet them? Well, to the members of the organization, because they had to communicate somehow. There were no telephones, no cars. It was hard life back then. But we managed somehow. I had an address in my head. It was too dangerous to write it down. I reached the address, handed over the correspondence. And that was it. Any forms of conversations were forbidden. That was an order. My brother belonged to an organization and so he dragged me into it as well. They needed me, you know. A young girl. You know, I always looked even younger than I really was. They didn't pay much attention to me. But they could still inspect me. Well, sometimes there were checks, but thankfully at that time I had nothing on me. In the trams, for example, they searched us on our way to work. Oh, another interesting fact. Each tram consisted of separate wagons for Poles and for Germans. The first carriage was only for the Germans and the second and third for the Poles. They even made up a poem about it. What kind of reptile flies through... Oh yeah, because Łódź, ghetto, was called Lismanstadt. What kind of reptile flies through Lismanstadt? Its head is empty and its tail is fat. So the front was usually empty because there weren't that many Germans. However, the second and third wagon were always overcrowded. The trams had uncovered platforms and everyone was hanging around the tram like grapes. People would jump into the tram on the run whenever it slowed down around the square or something. They would jump and hang on the buffers in order to get to work. So when they caught someone working for the organization, they tortured them, persecuted them. Not everyone could stand it, so they betrayed. You had to organize everything in such a meticulous way. And there was also the Stefan, who was visiting us. His name was Karpiński. He lived nearby and was a friend of Mundek, my brother. And he also belonged to the organization. And one day, they caught him. Somehow, I don't know how and where they caught him, but apparently had something of value with him. They caught him and deported to Auschwitz. But the worst thing was that they deported his parents along with him. And imagine, two weeks later, his mother died. She didn't survive it. She said she would have survived it if she knew that Stefan was free. However, she was terrified by the fact that Stefan was imprisoned. So the parents never came back. But he survived the war, left for America, 
and lived there till the end. Or maybe he still lives there. No, probably not. He was even older than me, like three or five years older. So that was Stefan, a crush of mine. But let me also tell you about the uprising itself, how the Soviets put a knife in our back. When the uprising broke out, the Soviets were already on the other side of the Vistula River. They were already coming here. And that's why the uprising broke out on the 1st of August. Because Poles were counting on the Soviets to make a move, to give them a helping hand, to join the fight and to liberate Warsaw. The Poles were ready, waiting with the Polish banners, wanting to be the first to hang the Polish flag over Warsaw. But the moment Stalin found out about it, he ordered his army to stand still and don't move a meter farther. So that was the moment when the Germans could finally enjoy themselves. Hitler gave an order to destroy Warsaw so it disappears in the ground. Demolish it completely. And that's what happened. So many people were bombed. Some people managed to flee. A lot of people died, women with small children, some of them pregnant, all that. The heat was unbearable on that summer day. I saw this destroyed Warsaw later. I went there right after the liberation, in the first few days. And you know what? It was a horrible sight, which I won't forget until I die. Such a city, such a beautiful city, all those old historic districts, the old town, everything completely destroyed. Some parts on the other side of the Vistula River survived, but here, on this side, everything was ruined, crushed into stones, just like Stalin and Hitler wanted. They did it to us together. You see what kind of friends we had? We have. Till this day, I don't believe a word they say. The Soviets, the Russians are our enemies. Not the people, but the government. Putin is Putin. Today he's there, tomorrow he might be gone. But he's been sitting there for so many years, and who knows how much bad he can still do. Well, it's a totalitarian system. It's a fake democracy. Yes, he's so fake. He's such a hypocrite. He pretends that everything is fine. After all, he occupied Ukraine just to protect himself. And Crimea? also belongs to him, right? I was only surprised that when Crimea was attacked, the world was silent. Now the world is starting to speak about it, but it's too late. He won't give back Crimea. And now there are fights around there. I mean, he says that it's not the Russians, that it's the local people who rebel because they want a better life. What a hypocrisy, what a falsehood. Było inaczej i dlatego się buntują. No, jaki, 
Echt een boerder heeft die vuist. This was it for today. Thank you for reaching till the end of this episode. I will see you next time with another great artist and speaker. And as mentioned at the beginning, you can support this podcast via Patreon on patreon.com slash kitchen conversations. Or alternatively, you can also help me develop this platform by making a one-time donation, following my Instagram account, or leaving a comment on one of the podcast players. All of the needed links are placed in the show notes of this episode. Take good care. Until next time.